This is a flash of pure inspiration. This man is absolutely mainline to pure footballing magic. You're goddamn right. He emasculates them. Yes. Individually. Yeah. Collectively. Feel that, buddy? Huh? It is on fire. Incredible talent, incredible variety, like never seen on any other show before. You people are amazing. We're also down to just two people who understand how to keep time in a soccer game. For fuck's sake, stop saying soccer. Oh, that's that's like football without pads, right? Let's have some fun. It's football time. Let you fade that one out, good Carl. <laughs> Off the pitch podcast episode twenty-two, which means kit number twenty-two coming up to start the show in just a little bit. But before we get to that, today is, I have no idea. Oh, today is the fifth, April fifth. Today is the fifth. Today is April fifth. This is a recorded show, so the time that we started does not really matter. Um, this will be up if today is April fifth. This will be up tomorrow, April sixth, at some point. Yes, Carl. Sir. Sounds good. Right below Usually between twelve and two. <laughs> yep. Right below it will be right below the Off the Wagon podcast on the Off the Wagon podcast network. Can we call it that yet? There's more than one show. It's a network. Yeah, it's a network. All yeah. right, Golden, Golden. On my left, we've got the West Hammer and the guy on the DJ board over there, Carl Badger. Hello. Ones and twos. On the ones and twos. Yes. Ones over to twos. my right, we've got your Liverpool fag boy over here. Uh, this is a family show. This is a family <laughs> show, but uh, he's over here to the right, and his Liverpool team made the Premier League very, very interesting this past weekend, which we'll get to later in the show also. But or, or arguably made it less interesting. True, true. But that is Zach Pelican. I'm your Arsenal gooner slash Barcelona uh, guy over here, the host of the show, J.P. Chouinard. Barcelona had a big Champions League win today. Um, if time permitting, we will get into that. Um, but... We're going to start with the kit number of the week. All of you guys on Twitter voted this week at OTP Soccer Talk um, for who you thought the best player to ever don the number 22 was. Um, and this will keep going on. So next week, too, number 23. Um, the next couple weeks, I looked in advance, 23, 24, and I believe 25, all very, very interesting players in it. This week, it did come down to a very, very uneven... Uh, pick and by uneven, it was unanimous to go to the Brazilian uh, Kaká, who is currently playing in the MLS for the or for Orlando City SC or the FC. I think they're SC FC as in they, football club. I, oh, see, I thought they did the American Soccer Club thing, nope. but there you go. Shows what I know over here. Um, so back to back weeks with MLS players. Um, but another player in Kaká, somebody that his prime was right when. Pelly and I and Carl started getting into soccer a couple years ago. Um, I personally didn't like him all too, too much by the time I got to him because he was with Real Madrid, me being the Barcelona fan. I didn't really like seeing him in any of the El Clasicos, but great player all around. Um, He was really the next big thing. He didn't have as long, in my opinion, of a run as 
one of the top players in the world as a Ronaldinho had. Uh, but he was a transition. We just missed Ronaldinho's prime when we first started getting into soccer. Um, and Kaká was that next Brazilian big name, captain of the Brazilian team at the time, that we were able to watch and really appreciate his game uh, for all of its glory. Um, and he's one of the guys that really all-around player. Uh, to me, not I don't say this as a discount to him. He didn't have anything really, really stick out. But that's because he didn't have any bad parts of his game. Great free kick taker. Um, he could see the whole pitch. Great passer. Had enough foot skills so that when he was one-on-one, he could get through a double team here or there. Um, and really a field general type, in my opinion. Uh, that he's the one, He could play up in the midfield. He could hold back if he needed to. Um, really, he didn't go out on the wings too, too much. But if he needed to play out on the wing, he could play a wing just as good as anybody else could. Um, so Kaká is number 22. Pelly, Carl, any thoughts on Kaká? Uh, when I went... I visited, and no, it is not poo-poo. <laughs> it does not mean poo-poo. When I went and visited uh, my buddy in Madrid, and I remember trying really hard to go see a Real Madrid game. Now, I don't know, or at least at that time, I didn't know much about the team. But I do remember, you know, one of the one of his roommates having like the Kaká jersey and you know ranting and raving and when when I got over there it was the it was the day after their matchup so I, I was pretty bummed but I do remember him being you know a staple player when I was over there he you know always saw his jerseys and stuff like that so like I said I, I don't know too much about him but I do know when I was when I was in that city he had a very prominent place yep. Yeah, his best years for me, uh, AC Milan was absolutely yes. fantastic for them. Um, part of some really great teams down there. Obviously, that is where Real he Madrid. donned the twenty-two. By the way, well, there you I go. I believe at uh, Real Madrid he wore the seven. Um, sounds about right. But he donned the twenty-two at AC. When he went back the second time, he did not wear it. He never wore it for Brazil. Mm. Uh, like I said, we're getting to the point now where you get guys wearing weird numbers. That's how we get Kakai in here. Thank God we have that rule amongst the show. Otherwise, this would be a very, very boring show after about episode 10. <laughs> so, <laughs> but go ahead, Pelly. Yeah, he, I remember a good amount of him both uh, towards the end, the twilight of his prime, really, um, when he was with the Brazilian team uh, back in Germany. That World Cup, I think, was really supposed to be the Kaká World Cup. It didn't end up being so, which, interestingly enough, Um the one thing I'd always hold, hold over his head is that uh, some of the biggest moments that I remember in Kaká's career came up lame. Yep. Came up a little lame. Uh, has not had a great World Cup career. Uh, I don't believe he was part of that last World Cup winning squad back in 2000. I don't. I, I believe. Yeah, yes, he was. Yes, he was on was that he? FIFA World Cup team. Yeah, I don't think. He played I don't a very think he. Role. I right. I don't think he was a. He definitely wasn't one of the first yeah. eleven and. I don't have how many caps he had in that World Cup right in front of me, but yeah, I can only I mean, imagine a young kid at the time probably only got a couple caps in the group stage before really he really if, was able Yeah, to if that. I mean, the, the driving force of that team was definitely Ronaldinho at that point in time, along with Ronaldo and his twilight of his career. Um, but yeah, I mean, a guy that for me, I just I, I don't know if he really brought it in, in, in the prime of his career. Yeah, he won a, uh, a Ballon d'Or. As one of the best players in the world, has been in the FIFA World Eleven a few times or the um, UEFA World Eleven a few times, has had a great career. But um, 
I don't know. I not one of my favorites because of how he did cower when the when the limelight was biggest. I had a red. I had a very famous red card against. Uh, I forget who it was. International match, and and I'm totally blanking now. I want to say it was in the World Cup in 2010. Ten. Um, it wasn't against Ecuador, Peru, or Venezuela. I can tell you that much. Uh, let me see if I can find that. No, I want to say it was Uruguay, and maybe the round of 16. Um, yes, that actually sounds very, very correct. If not that, uh, maybe a round after in the, in the quarterfinals. But, yeah, I mean, not one of my favorite players. However, he did play Uruguay in the round of 16, so I'm going to take your word for it, Pat. I think he was. I think he was read it out of that match. And I think we later saw Luis Suarez read it out of that match. No, actually, no, I'm sorry. That was against Ghana in the quarters. Yep. But, um... Very talented player. Can't take that away from him. Very, very talented player. Could score from a variety of areas on the pitch, as well as being a guy who is an extremely good playmaker. Um, like I said, not one of my favorites, because I think he's always been surrounded by the best talent in the world, regardless of where he's been. And if you're surrounded by the best, sometimes... That they bring, bring you up yeah, more yeah, that, than you bring them up. Exactly. And then we saw him go to a Real Madrid situation where he had such a high level of talent around him that it even maybe kind of pulled him down a little bit. So yep. great player, certainly worthy of it. Uh, I personally would have gone for <clears throat> a certain French winger with a massive scar on the side of his face, but I know uh, who you're talking about. it is what it is. I, I can't, yep. I can't complain too much. This is yep. not a bad choice. The, the off the pitch uh, nation has voted. So it is out of our hands. And now we're no longer picking on our uh, own. Yeah. So like I said, that's, the kit number of the week, number 22, Kaka. Next week will be number 23. Um, lots of names, like I said, coming up. Lots of big names coming up in the next couple weeks here. 23, 24, 25, all very interesting. Um, and we will keep posting these every week at OTP Soccer Talk, either the day of or the day before the show. Um, so you guys can have your voices heard on who you think the best kit num- the best player to don the kit number of the week is. Um Real quick, I always give a couple little nice fun stats for him. Uh, he's had 194 goals and 606 appearances in his club career. Internationally, he had 29 goals for Brazil and 91 caps with 25 assists, which that's a very good stat in its own right. 54 points, if you will, if you want to use a hockey term, in 91 appearances. So you're looking at more than uh, half a point uh, match. He won Serie A. He won a Champions League. He won the UEFA Super Cup and the FIFA Club World Cup with Milan. With Real Madrid, he won himself the La Liga and the Copa del Rey. And with Sao Paulo, um, he won the Rio Sao Paulo Open, which I believe is just a tournament amongst that state, actually. I think I've seen that a couple times with a couple of the Brazilian guys. And just to end it real quick on... The 12th of September, 2007, he did get a goal right here at Foxborough Stadium, Woo. or well, Gillette Stadium in Foxborough. Um, so he, he has a hometown goal, in our opinion, and we're going to use that as a nice little transition. Pelly and I went to the Razor for the Revs game this past Sunday. Um, we didn't get in until near half, uh, which was fine by us. What we're learning about, this is both of our second games of the year, and we're going to keep trying to go to as many as we can. But what we're learning is the tailgating, the people that you meet there. We met a nice big group of Liverpool fans. Um, no help to me because I was yelling, Liverpool sucks. There was one <laughs> one nice Arsenal fan in there. Played some flip couple of them before the game. And then we got in. We sat up on that upper terrace. 
um, for the second half, had a couple beers, shot the shit with uh, Brackets Brown. Um, and we saw the Revs' first home goal of the year. Came from D- Diego Fagundes on a little cross. I'm blanking off the top of my head. The beers were flowing heavily at that point. Um, but right across the box, he was over on the on the goalie's right at the end of the six-yard box and just buried one nice and easy. Other than that, the Revs dominated the play for what we saw for the most part. Most of the play was on our end. Very, very little. The Red Bulls were pushing down the other end with the exception of one or two clear slash over-the-top balls trying to get a little breakout. Um, But good game for the Revs. That moves them into fourth in the East for the MLS. Um, Pelly, anything about that game that we went to? And we are not talking about what happened after the game. Um, (laughs) Maybe you'll hear some of that on Off the Wagon Sports Radio. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, maybe not. Um, Very solid game for for the Revs. Defensively were uh, fantastic. I thought they controlled... Uh, quite a bit of possession of the ball, um, yeah. One one nil. They say in in football is the easiest score to have, the yep. easiest, most uh, common score to have, and it was one of those matches. You saw. Um, I thought the Revs had the better, more clear cut chances. We saw a few opportunities um, for for the Bulls. Ultimately, I think you saw a Revs team play uh, up to par. I, yep. I, I thought they played a lot like what we we should expect them to play like going into the into the future. Um, you know, ultimately there was I think a couple of opportunities that they scored. I want to say Burnberry missed a missed another sitter. Yep. And um, you know, for Fagundes to put away a very good opportunity for them at at, at that juncture. I think they had at least one other opportunity. I'm I, I'm, I'm a little hazy, I, I, but uh, I, they I, had one other opportunity that was very clear cut that they couldn't put away. And towards the end of the match, I was actually quite impressed at their ability to kind of just just kneel it for for an American yep. uh, football term. Yep. Just kind of kneel it and take the the air out of the well, ball. Yep. They didn't they didn't necessarily sit back in their own end and play defense. They didn't, but they were, which was good. But and but they weren't necessarily attacking, but they maintained position session in that attacking midfield if you will even up to that attacking third um like you said after that goal went in you didn't see too too many crazy ideas go through no but they did a good job of, like you said maintaining possession making sure that they still controlled the pace of play uh didn't really let the red bulls get behind them at all um no real oppor- and didn't really let them get any opportunities coming back which is a good way i like that way to approach a lead than um, some other teams, which we'll get into in the Premier League, who have a who are on the top of the table right now, mm-hmm. um, of score and then just go pack it all in. Mm-hmm. I, I found that very. Um, I, th- I thought that was a very good thing to see from the Revs. Just like I said, not packing it in, staying aggressive, but a smart aggressive. If they saw their opportunity, they would take a cross in or try to dribble through and get themselves a, another shot. If not, back off, hold on to the ball. Nothing crazy. Um, but, yeah, no, like I said, this is a, our, the second game we've been to. We've been to both home games. Unfortunately, Pelly and I are definitely going to miss this weekend's game against Toronto SC on Saturday. I believe that's a 4 o'clock kickoff. Um, but what we're, what we're learning real quick about these Revs games, and the reason why I asked you about this, and sorry to any college professors who are listening, particularly Lip Trap, because Pelly and I are forgetting what the actual term is, but... Um, at what do we say average cost per visit or, or something like that they've got a metric in the sports management sports marketing field how much it costs for a group of people to go to a game and there's a formula that goes into it and it's only been two games we've gone into but I really truly think that the revs right now 
Um, for a soccer team, you're not getting the best in the world. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but with the other sports in town, you're getting a great uh, experience for the money that you're paying to go in with a group of guys, whether it's a family, you want to go in with your girl, whatever. It's a very reasonably priced, and they put out a much better product than I think we originally anticipated going into these games. Um, with that said, Carl. Yes. Oh, we can't talk about your night either. We cannot talk about our Friday nights. We had a very long – Carl was somewhere else, no. but we had a very long Friday night um, as a crew after that Revs game. So with that, we're going we're gonna to move on to the uh, Barclays Premier League. That's what I'm looking for. Um, big week this week. Um, Leicester was able to pull away a little bit. Aston Villa still sucks. Um, we haven't been talking too too much Premier League lately, so we're going to get it, really get into it today. The managerial carousel has hit again. Um, we're going to get into our all of our own teams. If we want to, we, we kind of free ball on this one, uh, but it's going to be Premier League heavy. And if there's time at the end, we're going to either get into we'll let Carl pick because I know Pelly's definitely not going to pick the women's national team suing U.S. Soccer. Um, or there was one other one. Now I'm blanking on it. I don't have my sheet. It's over there. Anywho, get into the Premier League real quick. We haven't done a table checkup in a while. So 16 down. Crystal Palace with a draw this past weekend against Carl's West Hammers sitting 16th. Seven points clear of relegation. Norwich City with a big win this week. Uh, they're now sitting four points clear of relegation 17th. Sunderland, the first relegation spot with 27 points. Newcastle. Uh, with 25 points, and Aston Villa in the dump, 18 points away from relegation, which means they're only, what, a match, maybe two away from getting themselves officially relegated, uh, which is still, we're not necessarily Aston Villa fans here, but for a very proud and historic premiership uh, franchise and club out there, tough to see them go down. On the other hand, top of the table, fifth up, Man U jumped West Ham this week with a win at 53 points. That puts them one point behind Man City for the last Champions League spot, who has 54 points. Arsenal with a big 4-0 win over Watford this weekend, sitting there at 58 points. Both of those teams have a game in hand against the top two teams in the league, which is Tottenham with 62 points. They drew to Liverpool, which I think we're going to start with. Um, so get ready, Pelly. They've got 62 points. That draw allowed Leicester City to get a win against Southampton on Sunday, giving them three more points, tacking that on for 69 points, now seven points clear of Tottenham for that top spot on the table. Uh, so we'll get right into it with that Tottenham-Liverpool game. 1-1 um, draw. Liverpool, I believe, got the first goal in that one. I'm pulling they it up did. now. They did. They did. Tottenham did come back and get the point out of it, which... Not a complete loss for them, but you at this stage now, especially going forward, Tottenham needs to be getting three points a week and hoping for draws. Leicester's put themselves in the position now that three wins, three draws, they need 12 points out of six matches. Um, they get themselves the championship or four wins, and they get themselves a championship. Um, and Liverpool just made it very, very easy for Leicester. And... We'll, we'll talk about that match, and then I'll use that after we're done with that, Pelly. We'll transition that into Leicester, how they're sitting now. But um, what did you see out of this match? 
very good match for Liverpool and uh, exactly what you would want if you are a Liverpool fan to see this team in the first half really be able to control play. I thought they created some great chances. Probably should have been up. Only to be up one nil, I think was a little bit of a that first a half they played a real yeah. they played a real well in that first half. Yeah, they were very very strong in the first half, and I thought ultimately they were moving the ball the way that you'd want. They were pressing as well as they have all year long under this Klopp style, which was huge for them. Uh, yeah, an attacking group that really is starting to look like it's gelling at the right time with uh, uh, Philippe Coutinho, Daniel Sturridge with one of the great. Uh, it was maybe a three or four pass sequence to score that goal, but ultimately it was Phil Coutinho, Sturridge, back to Coutinho, to the back of the net. And um, it was just beautiful, tacking it together the way that they did. Um, stronger team in the first half by far, I thought, um, watching it and um, enjoyed every second of it. Second half, though, you saw the Tottenham that we've been seeing for most of the year, a team that was uh, certainly very aggressive, got themselves into a lot of dangerous areas. We saw uh, on the goal Christian Eric. Harry Christian Kane. Uh, well, Christian Eriksen tracking one down oh, all the yes. way to the uh, to yes. the touchline on the or the it's not the baseline. What, the what byline, the, maybe the goal line. I bo- the byline. I think they call it. Maybe we'll go with that. For I now. think the sides are touch. We're, we'll the sides are definitely up. touch. But hit us up at OTP Sorry, yeah. talk if we're idiots. Um, let us know what the goal line is called. It would be the base. It would be the baseline in basketball. Yes. But we'll call it the baseline because I'm a bas- former <laughs> basketball player. Um, but he runs one down right right in that area. T- you know, all all grit and guile. Clips one over the top of, of uh, Nathaniel Klein, puts it into the mid or kind of the corner of the box, and then Harry Kane with just an absolute piece of brilliance, being able to pull it down, turn himself around, and find himself yeah, a, a no, wide open side. No net. look on that. Never picked his head up to look at the goal. Didn't need he, to. Just goal scorer's goal yep. scorer's goal. No doubt about yep, it. And took Harry it down Kane, on his feet, put it on his right foot. One one swing of the leg. Yep. And Perfect. Harry Kane, I think, is starting to move himself into. W- an interesting area that I think was kind of void for a while in the in the English game and in the international setup. They didn't have a, a striker that they felt very confident in. Now Daniel Sturridge was looking like he was going to be that guy, but Harry Kane I think has finally gotten to that point where he's a guy that he's a he is a striker through and through. He finds the back of the net, and he's replacing I think a legend slowly in in Wayne Rooney. Yep, he's I believe right now he's leading. Uh, the Premier League with 22 goals above yeah, Vardy, who's got 19, and Mahrez, I think, has 18, yeah. 17. Um, but yeah, Harry Kane is making himself a push to be on that starting 11 for the upcoming Euros in the summer. Um, and Harry Kane, I believe, is only 22, 23 years old, too. Still a young kid, getting himself right. into, still arguably before his prime. Yeah. Um, I wonder now how long he stays with. Tottenham before they ship him off to Real Madrid because that's what they seem to do with all of them. Soon, very soon. Hopefully talent. this year <laughs> or this summer. But like you said, good grit from Tottenham in that second half fighting back. Yeah. But you, you need it's tough because you're in a situation now, Tottenham, like I said, even coming into this, you need to get three points every time, especially with Leicester playing on the majority of Sundays. I, I think they've got. Three more games. This past week was a Sunday. Mm-hmm. The week before was a Sunday. Um, and three of the remaining six are on Sundays. So Tottenham's going to have the opportunity to... Watch and to strategize. Put, to put the pressure on and say, okay, Lester, you got to maintain your lead. you got to go off and get three now. Tottenham didn't do that this week, which allowed Lester to come in on Sunday, tack on three more points against a good Southampton squad... Um, and now, like I said, they're sitting seven points clear. They can get themselves two losses 
and we were saying those last three matches, we see two losses in there. Mm-hmm. Well, now all of a sudden, they can lose those. Right, that's not um a- And still win. I'm going to pull up right now if I can get it all right. Hold on, here we go. Leicester's next five matches, well, it's going to be their last six. They've got Sunderland, should be a win, yeah. fighting for relegation. Sunderland is, but they're not going to give too much of a fight there. West Ham, that should be a tough game. They're mm-hmm. still right in there for that Champions League spot. Say that that's a draw. Then you've got Swansea, bottom of the table team. You should beat them. Man U's fighting for that spot. Mm-hmm. That'll probably be a loss. Um, but if they get a draw out of that, a win against Everton. And who is this for? That's for Leicester. Okay. And they're home. Tottenham's next five, though. You've got Man U, Stoke, who's... Kind of not performing up to par this year, but they're in eighth in the table. Still no chump change. They're still in there for the Europa League. West Brom, who's down right mid-table. Then you got Chelsea and Southampton after that. Their schedule is looking a lot more difficult. Mm -hmm. Now, I know that Leicester has three big clubs in there too, but with that, Tottenham's got three big clubs. You're asking a lot for Tottenham to go off and get three big wins out of them. And on top of that, have Leicester lose themselves all three of those games. Mm-hmm. And that's what's going to need to happen right now for Tottenham to come back and win. Um, Arsenal, they've got one game in hand at 58. They're looking even worse. Assuming they win that, they're going to have them. They're going to be eight points out, and you need just as much help as Tottenham. The only help that Arsenal has is after West Ham's game, the game against West Ham this week, they've got the easiest schedule coming in from yeah. the rest of them. Crystal Palace, Sunderland, and Norwich. 16, 17, 18 the table right now. There's nine guaranteed. Well, in those next three games, you need, or three out of those next four, you should say, you need Leicester to yeah. lose all three. And at that point, you still need to jump Tottenham somewhere. So, Leicester, Man City's definitely done. Tottenham and Arsenal right now, I give the same odds. I know the point difference is there. Uh, so, don't yell and scream, oh, you're just being an Arsenal lover. No, it's, it's yes, it's partially that, but they're right there. I think one of them two has to go off when they're last six, and they yeah. they need a lot of help. Almost uh, almost unquestionably. I, yeah. From a Leicester perspective, for me... You're not going to get Leicester City to go off and completely collapse at this point, I don't think. They're four games away, is yep. what it comes down to. Like yep. I said, those last two are, in my mind, irrelevant. They should not have to win this title after these next four matches. That United yep. and that Chelsea match to finish, wrap up the final two weeks of the season, they should be irrelevant. Yep. Um, just to finish off on that that Tottenham and, and Liverpool match, um, quick Liverpool note: very, very good, possibly the best match I've ever seen Dejan Lovren. I play was going to say Lovren was a man of the match. I he believe was, he was fantastic. He was cleaning up for Mamadou Sako, who is he's more consistent than inconsistent, which is the stupidest statement that I probably ever made. <laughs> but he's he's a good central consistently defender. inconsistent he's, well, is that a thing <laughs> but, but the thing is he's more often than not going to give you a good match and he's going to give you a good effort this was one of the worst matches I've ever seen him play so it was a very very strange uh, flip of the coin here that typically you're going to see Sako cleaning up for Lovren making the mistakes and it was the total opposite um, which was which was tough uh, Nathaniel Klein again, and you know what? This guy started out like gangbusters in the beginning of the year. He's the one who didn't track the ball down against Erickson for the goal that was scored. 
killed me to see that. And he hasn't given you much in the attacking area. He's a guy that I think quietly could earn his way out of Liverpool, depending on what Klopp wants to do going forward. I think he likes Flanagan a little bit more than him. Uh, Moreno on the other side is his typical inconsistent self. You saw some, saw him go forward a few times and have some great efforts, and then you saw him defensively have some some lapses. Midfield was really good, I thought. Uh, Emery Sean was aggressive. He was tough. He was gritty, as he's been all year long. Thought he was good in the attacking third as well. Um, he was able to get into some of the interplay, but he's a guy that he's just a box-to-box. He's the definition of a box-to-box midfielder. Jordan Henderson, solid match. I personally... He, personally a huge fan of what he does. His passing, I think, he's is unbelievably... I think he's an absolute bum. He I know is... you love him, and I've tried liking him for your sake. Oh, he's, he's tough to like, no doubt oh, about no, that. Oh, no, I just, I just think he's a bum. I just think he's sorry. He doesn't give you anything. He's one of the best passers in the midfield, I, I think, in, I, in I, the see, league. I, see, I... I now, I, when I say he doesn't give you anything, he doesn't really take anything away from you either. But so he's a... He's a He's a serviceable... He's a neutral balance there. Right, yeah. I love his passing ability. I think he gives you a lot of energy. He's not physical enough for me at times. I think he wants to be physical. He wants to be that, you know, oh, you push our guy around, you know, I'm right there for him. Unfortunately, I don't think he's that type of presence. But he, for me, sprays that ball around and has some of the best outletting passes that you're going to see in the Premiership. And maybe that's bias on my part, but I think he is one of the best at that. Like I said, Phil Coutinho looked unbelievable. Speaking of of guys who had man-of-the-match type performances, Sturge was a little on and off, but that's about what you expect from him. You expect 15 great minutes after you know 15 very average minutes, and that's what you get from him. Uh, and I forget who they shared. Uh, Jimmy Milner was the other was the other midfielder. I thought he was decent. He <laughs> here's what I'm going to tell you about Jimmy Milner, and this and anyone who's a Man City fan or, or an Aston Villa fan or anything like that. He's the one player I've ever watched who can make the average look insanely difficult. But he could, <laughs> but he could make the most difficult touch look, look absolutely easy. easy. It's, yeah. unbel- it's so lopsided and so backwards in how he, his effort and his skill works. Yeah. Because he's slow as shit. Yeah. But he looks fast because he has a very great interpretation of the game. Right. And I, he's just such an odd player to watch. I think if, if Liverpool's ever going to get to their potential... Milner's going to be a guy that you're using off the bench. Yep. But, you know, another story for another day. But overall, good performance for Liverpool. I was happy with what we saw. Tottenham, on the other hand, that's a tough one to let get away. And honestly, I think being beaten by Liverpool in the way that they – or not beaten, but being drawn by Liverpool the way that they did says all you need to say about their chances as a champion. Yep. All right, now we'll come back to Liverpool in a little bit. We'll finish – the teams please, in the please don't. League. We've talked about them enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so I was saying, up at the top of the table, Arsenal's right up there. Uh, big four 0 win over Watford this week. Walcott got a goal in the 90th minute. That's his first goal, I believe, in two months. He just came off of injury. I want to say shocker. Two game. I know it's real weird. Um, two or three games ago, but now he finally got in, got his toes wet, getting in the back of the net. Uh, Alexis Sanchez right in the fourth Someone minute. Someone something else wet. But. Yeah. <laughs> Um, right in the fourth minute, and it was oh, Arsenal dominated the game. They looked really good, and they looked like a championship team. Mm-hmm. If the, if you watch every game this week, and with no semblance of the table, and you watch a team play, you're looking at Arsenal this week and saying, this is a team at the top of the table. They're clicking on all cylinders. They're the ones who's going to win the league. It was that stretch in January yep. that yep. fucked them up. Now... 
and this is this is why I'm not throwing them completely out yet. Because if they play like this, they're going to run off their last six. Mm. They will run off their last six, assuming they play like this. The problem is now you need help from Leicester. You have the What's, opportunity, but they have, they're going to be they have eight, seven left because they've got seven right. So I'm assuming assume a, a I'm assuming a win. I'm assuming a win in which, that which, game which, in hand. Which puts them how many points behind? Eight points behind. I know I know it's tough, but after watching Tottenham this weekend, and maybe you can call this Arsenal bias on me, but Tottenham look, doesn't look like a team that's going to be able to catch because they're not going to be the team that can go off and win six in a row. Arsenal can run off. The, they've got it. Like I said, they've got the easiest schedule out of those three teams. They can get hot that from Thanksgiving to New Year's Day hot, run off seven clean wins. Now all of a sudden, okay, they can do their part. It's like I said, that January to first, second week in February where they couldn't pull their head out of their rear end and get themselves wins. They drew wins and they lost draws. That's what's going to cost them. Um, they they look like I said they're looking like they're clicking on all cylinders. And mm-hmm. if you walked into match day thirty two without watching any of the teams play this year, and you watched every game, and you said, "Okay, who do you think is at the top of the table?" Without knowing standings, you would have said Arsenal hands down. Anybody would have. And it's a little too late, in my opinion. Unfortunately, is a it's a uh, little too late. It's a full season. Yes. that they that they force you to play in, yep. in European football. Yeah, I think Arsenal, I think they're more likely. To, let me put it in the way I think they're more likely to make it interesting than Tottenham is, and not necessarily interesting to the point that it comes down to the last week. But I wouldn't be surprised on all of a sudden that Leicester match against Everton matters. Where right now it wouldn't, mm-hmm. um, because it, like I said, if Leicester hiccup somewhere or all of a sudden they run off two three straight draws, well now all of a sudden the teams behind them can start getting the wheels going. Tottenham doesn't look like they can go off and gr- like they're gritty enough to go off and get the wins. And I'm not, not not necessarily saying Arsenal's all that gritty to grind them out. I think Arsenal's just got the talent. I think it's clicking right now at the right time for them to go on a little bit of a five, six, seven game run here. And okay, now we're going to put the pressure on. And that's where I see maybe okay, does that now all of a sudden set Leicester back? But we'll see. That, that's a, that's a conversation. That's a month away. That, I think that's that's a month, five weeks away. For all we know, at that point, Leicester rattles off four wins and it's over. Yeah. But I think Arsenal right now. I don't think they're going to drop too too many more points. I think if anything, they're going to be gaining the rest of the way. Unfortunately, I don't think they have enough time to gain what they need. As an Arsenal detractor, I will say this: not only is it um, not only is it difficult to imagine them running off the last seven. It's just not historically correct. They just not in recent history have they been able to be a team in crunch time when they've had to really do it and and, and been able to do it. However, this is a team that doesn't have any any other fixtures. No, nope. for, for the rest of the year they're playing for league and league only, and they've had the FA Cup in their back pocket the last couple yep. of years, or at least had um, some stock. Now the Tottenham doesn't have any other. Games going on either. It doesn't. But Tottenham's never playing for anything either. But Tottenham is. I think com- Tottenham's is, they're very happy in that top four. Yeah, their competition for your championship. Arsenal wants a championship. Right. There's a there's a distinct difference between the two different yes. teams. And yes. Arsene Wenger finishing in second or third or fourth. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Tottenham will it's finish in second. and They'll say this is a great year. Others. Right. 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 And and I think Tottenham for me they need to finish top three, which I think they very well will. 
Um, I think for Arsenal, they've got the best run out of matches, like you said. I think seeing them win five out of these last seven is very feasible and actually quite probable, to be totally honest. I think they will cut into a seven eight is eight gonna be an eight point lead. lead. I think like they will said, cut so give into me it. that give me that win. We're gonna call an eight point lead with an even schedule. I think they cut in. Like I said, I don't think they're dropping any think, more points. No, I don't I don't think they will drop any further back than eight. However, I have a hard time believing they're gonna make up all eight. That means uh, yes. that at the end of the day means Leicester drops four matches. Yep. And you see Arsenal reel, reel right. them all off. Right. Or pretty much realistically reel off everything that's right. remaining on the schedule. And I think there's at least one more hiccup out there for an Arsenal team that, let's be honest, I mean, this is what people make fun of them for. No, no, I know. You, you look like you are the best team in the world one week, and then the next week, exactly. like you said, you can't pull your head out of your ass, and you don't know you don't know which side of the pitch you're defending. It's very, it's very frustrating. It's very aggravating. Um, yep. Which I don't want to let you get off too easy there. This summer is shaping up to be almost unquestionably a season of transition for Arsenal, or maybe you defer from that, but I do want to pitch this to you and I want to see what you have to say about it. If this ends up being a season of major transition, have you, as a fan of Arsenal, watching them pretty closely at this point, do you recognize any areas that you would be changing on this team, whether it's management, whether it's on the pitch, and where on the pitch? It's that... I. I know I kind of I can't, spun, I can't, I kind of I can't, spun that on you. But. No, 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 that's fine. I can't, I can't use arson I'm, because I know that's not going to change. So I'm going to devoid myself from that conversation. That's a conversation for a different day. Mm-hmm. On the pitch, they've got a lot of skill. Yep. They, they're arguing, and I'm an Arsenal fan saying this, but I think any other EPL fan can look at Arsenal's 1 through 20 and say they're, I say they're the top skilled from 1 to 20, but they're a top three skilled team, one of 20, a bare minimum. Fair? Is that a fair in the, assessment? In the, in the Premiership? In no, in the Premiership. Definitely. Okay. My problem is they don't have, and we've talked about this at, at drinking. We've talked about it on Off the Wagon. We don't really, I don't think we've ever brought up on Off the Pitch, so now here's the time to do it. They don't have any of the guys with the killer instinct mentality that they're, they've got all the talent in the world, but they don't necessarily, for whatever reason, know how to close. They don't have any guys on the team that under pressure thrive in pressure. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily they crumble under pressure all the time, but they don't have somebody who's going to go in to the last match so that they make up all these points in the last match. They need a win, and they win the title. I can't pick somebody on the team that's going to say, okay, I'm going to put this team on my back today, and I'm going to get a goal and an assist, or I'm going to, or the keeper is just going to stop everything that comes to him, or I'm going to go and I'm going to go in hard and I'm going to get a PK in the box. Mm-hmm. They don't have that effort's the wrong way to put it, um, like that uh, killer instinct player. Yeah, it, it, You know, they don't have the grind that I'm going to go right now, I'm going to exploit your biggest weakness and I'm going to attack you for 90 minutes. They don't have that guy and that's what they that's what they need. Where do you get that? That's a fine that's a fine line because certain guys thrive in certain situations. Some guys are cup players, some guys are league players. Um so coming into the window, I I can't think of anybody up off the top of my head, but may I? Go ahead. Do you know who I think would fit awesome in this team? Zlatan? Now, they're my, <laughs> well, 
Come on now. But see, um, they don't need... Just real quick for any Arsenal listeners who are like, yeah, Zlatan. Olivier Giroud is great on the head. He does everything that Zlatan does for you already. You don't need to now go overpay for an aging Zlatan Ibrahimovic. That's, if that happens, that's a... That's a push the emergency button right now to keep the fans happy for change. That's not yeah. a that's not a move that I would like. Shouldn't say not would like to see, but that's not the move that they need to make. I think the big money guy, if they really want to go out there, shake things up, and and bring someone in who I think has that bite to their game, Neymar. Ooh, interesting, but no, James Rodriguez off Real Madrid. Oh yeah, I think he's a player who is looking for a change in scenery. And I think if they accommodated him with the correct formation, you can have him and Alexis Sanchez in the same lineup and be very, very effective. And I think Rodriguez is a guy we saw with Colombia in the World Cup a few years ago. He likes the pressure. And he likes when those lights are very, very bright. And if you surround him with talent, he can be a very, very good player. So. That's the guy that I think. I'm just, no, no, just, no. just going to float it your yeah, way. Yeah, no, no, I like that. I'll think about it more in the upcoming weeks. The transfer window, we are within two months of the June transfer window yes, opening. Yeah. Um, at the end of the show, we'll talk about other topics that we'll bring up in the upcoming weeks. But that where transfer season seemed like it just ended, but it's only just beginning in reality. So that's coming up. So I will think about that in the next couple weeks. I don't mind that. Like I said, I don't think they need the skilled guy. They don't necessarily need the leader of the team. Mm-hmm. The mindset that I'm thinking of is a mindset. You don't have to be the best player on the pitch for 90 minutes. But like you said, lights are bright now in a big game. Mm-hmm. We need a goal. We need a big stop, whatever it is. I, we need a guy that can go do that, and they don't have it right now. They're a soft team. They're a soft, mentally soft team, in my opinion. Um, and I think that comes from Arson, but that's, that's like He's French. Conversation for a different day. Um, Carl. West Ham, tough draw this week. I'm gonna lay it like down every week. I'm gonna lay it down a little bit for you. They could have been right there, tied with Man City, I believe, in that last Champions League spot. They would have been down on goal differential, end up getting the draw. Which, yes, it's Crystal Palace and team that's been in the worst form in the EPL for the past two months, even worse than Aston Villa, arguably, mm-hmm. and. They took, and I was talking to you beforehand, the show just shooting the shit, and they took a red card. It was Coyote, Coyote, I think I think you pronounce it Coyote, Coyote, I had it right the first time, thanks Pelly. Um, took a red card, shouldn't have been a red card, and this is the third time this happened this year where they've gotten yep. a red card in a match, yep. and it's been reversed, so he doesn't miss, his, he doesn't get suspended, he doesn't get his banned for his match. But he misses Unfor- the rest of the game. Unfortunately, that does you no good for the rest of the game. That happened when they had a 2-1 lead. Not even 10 minutes later, Dwight Gale for Crystal Palace puts one in. Tie game. Um, and I'm beginning to wonder here. The first one, the first two, Carl. I think, okay, the referees are out to get him, you know, or the referee didn't get laid last night from his wife, so he's in a bad mood. Three times a charm. When does it get to the point that you just don't take that risky of a tackle in a situation? At some point, it's got to get to the players, regardless of whether Billich tells them, regardless of whether they get together and do it themselves, regardless of just individually, as professionals, they have to realize the situation that they're in and not screw up their team for the day, bare minimum. Good call or bad call, 
the call doesn't get made if you don't make a bad tackle, correct? Yeah, but I mean, I don't think it needs to be. I don't think it needs to be like a um, a conscious decision whether or not you know whether or not they should make this tackle or whether or not they need to debate on if they should take you know because I want to say at least two out of these three weren't you know. They weren't the worst tackles. They weren't the riskiest of tackles. And I'm and to backtrack real quick to what you were saying, you know, uh, the refs out to get them. I don't think that's the case. I think that you know it's West Ham's luck. I think they get shitty calls. I think they get shitty refs. I know. I know when I read through articles, comments, Reddit, and stuff like that, I I see a lot of people blaming the refs. I hate doing that. Right. I try just. To, well, and, I and try like, to just keep it on like the said, team. I'm kind of but, playing devil's advocate with you because I I saw yeah, that. No. And like I said, one time it happens amongst a team, and it's not the same player every time either. Right. But one time it happens, fine. The second time it happens, okay. Now it's something. This is the third time, and it's like you got to take it. I and you got to take it off of. I, I, it's got to get to a point where yeah, if you keep shooting and it doesn't go in, you can't just right. say oh the goalie's so good he saves everything. Right. It's got to say you got to pull it in the back of the net. You got to take responsibility for that. But there is a balance there. You know, there's a balance on whether or not they need to think about what you know tackles they need to make. And and yeah, I think I think in a level you're right. I'm sure there's you know reason for Billich you know in a locker room to say look you can't keep doing this like you, like back off, cool off make smart plays and and know what you're doing but at the same time I don't think that you know every time they go for I'm afraid that there you know there there won't be a good line between it you know at the end of the day I think I'm at least I'm hoping that yeah they can back off a little bit but you know well, at, at 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 the third it would be one thing if we were getting red cards and right. and right. just red cards but we're appealing these red cards right so that's the that's the biggest issue is it's it's not these calls aren't these calls are obviously not as egregious as as Someone you know they're be. made to be on the right. pitch but so again yeah I I do believe that there has to be some sort of thought process now I guess in 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 the way of of thinking about where to go and who to tackle but yeah. you know no. It's getting to a point where it's ridiculous, and you, right. and you gotta. I don't know if you blame it on luck or the officials, but it, yep. it's been tough. So with you know, you well, know, with a with another draw to Crystal Palace and what now being three points under fifth, it sucks. It's yep. it's it, to me that's a hard draw out of yep. what the last four or well, five that and, we've taken. And the reason why that the reason why that's a hard draw, I'm gonna use that as, as a transition. Yeah, you're playing Crystal Palace, but you played a good game all day. Yeah. Now, like I said, tough red card. Tough red card. I'm not disagreeing with you on that. Um, in that situation, you take a draw. If this was week two as opposed to week 32, that's not a bad draw. No. You take that with a grain of salt and you say, hey, uh, Coyote, go, don't take bad tackles. Moron. You know. <laughs> now, at this point, though, they played real well. Unfortunately, they... Got the draw out of it, but for the first 67 minutes before that red card happened, they looked like the better team, and Dimitri Payet is making himself one of the premier free kick takers in the league. Did you see this goal at all this weekend, Pelly? Unreal. This this goal is going to be up for goal of the year this upcoming year. This is going to be one of the top ten finalists. Next to like three of his other goals. He... 
penalty outside, just outside the box. If you're looking at the net, the left, the left corner, they build the wall up there, and he throws one up there, and I don't use this loosely. Beckham-esque. The thing's 25 feet up, far away from the far corner. The keeper doesn't even doesn't even flinch. He thinks it's going up over the net. Dips in off the crossbar, off the post in that little friggin' corner. In. And you watched it. And the announcers... The announcers were speechless. The crowd went nuts, but they were almost, they were almost like, what the hell just ha- Did that go in? Did that hit the top of the bar? It was That was a world-class goal that is going to be up there for... Legitimately goal of the year. The bend that he had on... I, Check wh- it for Stickham. When, when, when I watched... When I watched... If you, we'll watch it after. When you watch a replay, Pelly, the, the ball looks like it's going to hit the far corner flag. That's how far off the thing... And then all of a sudden, the dip and the whip that he had in it... The line didn't even jump. That's how far away so it was from So he must have been coming from left to right? He was coming from left... No, Yes, left to right off of his right foot, bending it in... The far upper right ninety. Okay. Keeper didn't even move. Just absolutely beautiful goal. He's becoming, like I said, he's. I've done that before. <laughs> he's getting to the point now where he's, and this is what I'm worried about. When we'll bring this up more. Transfer window talk comes up, and I, yeah, I'm not discounting Zlatan. If they get Zlatan, they need to be in the Champions League picture. But he's somebody if they're not in that Champions League picture, he is going to be a very high ticket item that people are going to want, and I wonder whether West Ham keeps him. Because I yeah, think... Yeah, that's, that's the issue. And, and I think that's you're going to get, yep, get somebody that's going to just offer some inexorbitant amount that he arguably isn't worth, and then West Ham is going to have to take it. And then I wonder, does West Ham say, okay, well, let's reinvest this wisely, or let's take the... F- I wouldn't be surprised if he goes for 50 mil. If... All of a sudden, he gets sold for fifty mil, and they say, "Okay, well, we'll just reinvest twenty and pocket the 30. That's the biggest asset you've got on your team right now. Mm-hmm. If you sell him and you need to, I understand that because the price is too high. But you should now use that he is and a, invest back in. He is a Suarez esque uh, motor to that West Ham team. Um, given their achievements have not been as high as what Liverpool was doing two years ago, but ultimately, he is the same level of impact to a team that. I think is probably a little bit less talented than the Liverpool 11 of two years ago. But I can appreciate what's going on there, and I can appreciate what he does for that team. A little bit different style of player. But, um, yeah, no, he's going to be highly, highly coveted. This is is something that you – if you took the jersey off of him, same thing, you're thinking that comes from a Messi – from a Ronaldo, oh, I mean, from a Neymar. Payet has been a great player for years. This is a world-class free kick. I think there is going to be a market for a player like that. And unfortunately, I think one of the teams that's going to be looking at a player like that is right in France. Uh, is one of the biggest, probably eight teams in the world right now at PSG. PSG. And they've got very storage, deep too. pockets. Yep. Very, very deep pockets. And eh, I don't know how much I believe that. I wish. <laughs> the numbers that I've seen, I'd sell. Um, no, but that that's going to be my biggest fear for, for West Ham. And for all the shit that I give Carl... I do like West Ham. They're probably my second favorite uh, premiership club. This is what they are, and it's unfortunate. If they are, if they want to be more than that, you go into the summer and say, you know what? 
Payet's not going anywhere. And we're buying. We're buying. We're in, reinforcing on the back line. We're going to add another defender. We're going to add a, a striker that I think fits this style a little bit better. And this team's rolling. And they're they're right in the mix of things for being a top four yet again like they are this year. I would love to. And I I don't know what their rollout is for the last uh, five or, or six or seven for them. I but get that. ultimately, I would like to see them stay close and, and in the conversation for this top four uh, race here because Lord knows I mean, City's not doing anything to get away from these teams and I think with United only well, a point or two ahead. And now where there was City and we're going to stay in the EPL here City's got their game tomorrow against that same PSG team and I think this we're not turning this into a Champions League talk right now. That's the most important Champions League quarterfinal matchup yeah. because both those teams are getting really want that. Really they want really, that. Really, really they want really want win. exactly. PSG because they're going to lose a whole bunch of their players. Man City because they're out of the league right now, and they've wanted that for the past couple of years. That's been their this primary is target. A, yep. This is a very, very big match for both of them, and I think Man City is still will, willing to, at least for the next two weeks, say, screw it, we're going to play the off-the-pitch crew and <laughs> Josh Arnold at goal, and we're going to play 4-0 on and let you guys score 100 because we want that Champions League victory. Um, they're only... Three West Ham's only three points behind them. Tough to get the draw because Man U got the win. So yeah. now they're going to have to jump two teams. But they're only two points behind Man U. Very, very doable in six matches. Man U's schedule is not all that easy. They've got Tottenham. Leicester. Leicester. West Ham. And that's going to be... A, that West Ham match is going to be a big match. That arguably might determine mm-hmm. that Champions League spot. Yeah, if not the Champions League spot, it's going to be that Europa League spot. Mm-hmm. Um... That Man City, that that's a club that right now I think is primed to drop down, to get out of, and it's only going to come down to Man U or West Ham, and West Ham I think has got to almost step on the gas here. The problem is, is next Wednesday they've got their replay against their FA Cup replay against Manchester United. <laughs> never ends. It never ends. It never ends. Soccer in general is just a wonderful sport. All these stupid, crazy storylines seem to just keep happening. But It's the best time of year in the Premiership. And it's going to be very, very interesting next week to see, okay, does what this is where West Ham, more than Man U, does. Because Man U is always going to have the money. They're always going to be in every tournament. This is where West Ham now needs to make their own inside decision here. Are we going to make a run for this FA Cup? Or are we going to make a run for that Champions League spot? And well, even your and I, we can kind of dish this off to Carl. Even the Europa League spot, you get in there. That's that's something they haven't done in a little while now. I mean, to actually get it, get a full fledged bid into a group for Europa League, and then it's now now it's okay. That's European football. Maybe that's enough to keep a guy like Payet. Maybe that's enough to keep some of the players that they they really want to have going into next year. Well, what I was going to say during the Payet discussion is I think one of the biggest things that we need to look at is where West Ham ends up in tournaments and also what um, you know Billich does with you know the bench and and the rest right, of the guys. Right. I know Sky Sports just came out and people like Alex Song and Victor Moses are rumored to leave soon. I don't know I don't know what they're going for, but I, you know I mean, well, so, I want to say those two might both still be on loan so that oh, i don't maybe. know if they, they have to either renew the loan or buy them so you know i i think 
I think you got to see where the money comes from um, within the next few months. Tournaments, I think, are going to be a big part of it. I think at this point, um, the, the FA Cup is huge because I'm not trying to cut you off, Carl. No, but no, their but you tur- are. their tur- <laughs> no, just their tournament now is FA Cup and getting that Champions League spot or that Europa League spot. Right. Worst case scenario for them is if they don't get any one of those three. Now, I say three, they can only get either a Europa League spot or a Champions League spot. But if they don't get any one of those three, they're real screwed because I think I'm bringing up Zlatan again, and we're not going to talk about Zlatan coming to West Ham seriously until the transfer window gets closer. But you're not going to be able to attract a Zlatan without a trophy or a some spot in Europe moving forward. Exactly. And that's where, that, like you said, that's where now all of a sudden these tournament-esque situations are very, very big. For Man U is going to be able to get whoever the hell they want, whenever the hell they want, yeah. and they don't care about the money. West Ham needs that trophy to say, hey, will you come here for a little less? Yeah, we're not Man U, because the other guys are just going to go to Man U regardless right. for the money, and well, now I get to play on the biggest stage everywhere. Right. That's, that's what West Ham... That's where West Ham is going to be. Like I said, there's going to be very interesting two, three weeks for them to see what they prioritize here. That's why falling three points under fifth like really hurt. Yes. That's why, this, that's yes. why that drop yep. sucked. All right, one last thing. What are we at now, Carl? 55 minutes? Yep. 51 last thing. We brought it up. We don't have time to get into women's soccer. Pelly's, Pelly's pumped. Um, My favorite. But the managing oh. carousel hits the EPL I thought again. we were going to talk equality and, and yeah. wage equality. Yeah, no, that's what I was going to Well, yeah, women's soccer wage. Do you want to talk about that or do you want to talk about Antonio Conte? What do, what do I want to talk about? Yeah, you want to talk about Antonio Conte. Yeah, damn I know right. you do. Um, the managerial uh, carousel hits the Premier League again just yesterday, two days ago. Antonio Conte, the current Italian national manager, um, has announced that or Chelsea announced, I don't know who came out with it first, but it is announced that after this year's Euro 2016s, he will be coming to Chelsea, starting managerial ship next year for Chelsea. Yeah. Um, good for Chelsea, bad for Chelsea. Um, if you want to toss Pato in there, Alexander Pato made his first appearance the other day for Chelsea, got a goal. Um, I know they're 10th in, the right, in the league right now. They're not going to be in 10th next year at this time. I think that... Regardless of how much the three of us really hate Chelsea, I think we can make that an agreement that they're not going to be in tenth, and they're not going to be any worse in tenth next year at this time. Um, does Conte fit that system, or is this going to be a rebuild here, Pelly? Um, what do you think? It's an interesting fit, and uh, it's an interesting fit because Roman Abramovich is this huge. Uh, psychopath. Psych- psychopath. <laughs> um, watch your mouth. He's uh, good friends with, uh, what's his name there, the president of Russia. Oh, Putin. Putin. Yeah. He's a psychopath, too. Yeah, good, very good <laughs> friends with Putin. Um, now, he, Conti comes from Italian football, plays in Italian football mold. And so I'm going to hate Chelsea very even good, more now? <laughs> yeah, very well. Um, plays that defensive, compact style that it's not pretty, it's not going to, it's effective, and that's right. what it is. And Roman Abramovich has been this huge supporter of beautiful football, beautiful football. It's what he's wanted since he's been there. Beautiful, successful football. And every time a manager comes up that he needs to go get, who does he get? He gets the defensive winner. That's yep. what he goes and gets. And then he gets so, bullshit when they play defense. And well, they, play they go out there, they win, 
And, you know, maybe they don't win a Champions League, but they're, right. you know, last eight, last four of the Champions League. They're in the top yep. four. They're of, in of every the tournament until exactly. the end. Exactly. <laughs> and, they're, and they're perpetual winners. And then he gets pissed because it's not pretty the way that they're doing it. They're winning one nothing, 2-1, right. nil. Well, you can't, do, you can't win You can't win nil-nil. Nil, nil. The you, Bruins you try that all the time. going with that. The Bruins try that all the time. I know that very <laughs> well. well. So Claude Julien will be a very good coach for <laughs> for, for, for uh, Chelsea. But that's but that's what it comes down to. Is he keeps bringing in these guys. That's like even if he went with Diego Simeone, which was, was an, uh, an option that was floated around, or Jose Mourinho. These are guys that play a defensive style. So it's it's such a head scratcher to me that Abramovich keeps going back to this well of yes, very successful managers. If that's what he wants to reinstall, a success defense first, whatever it may be. Yeah, he's going. In the right place. Otherwise, you're not going to score a ton of goals. Right. You're not going to look. It's not going to look all pretty. You're not going to enjoy watching them play. Yeah. But if you want results, this was a great move for him. And I think ultimately, I if, think if, I think Abramovich is just he's in that weird spot where he wants to be Mark Cuban, if you will, yeah. and with the big flashy team. But he's smart enough to know what wins. And he, he gets lost at the correlation of this is winning, but this isn't winning how I want to win. Right. You have to choose a path. And I think and that's why I was kind of confused why we didn't see a big push from Chelsea, like a world record for a manager or coach record after Pep Guardiola. Yeah. Show me a guy who's going to win and win in a very pretty way. And I thought yeah. that was a one that we would have possibly have seen. But I don't know. I mean, Roman is, is tough to read, but he likes to win. And I think Antonio Conte comes in here. He's going to give you, similar to what you saw from Juventus a couple of years ago, similar to what you've seen to the Italian national team. He's an established guy, and it seems like the Italians are doing well. I mean, Claudio Ranieri is a guy where I think he's Italian. He Maybe he's Argentinian, but Claudio Ranieri, Ranieri is... Lesser City, their manager. I think he's Italian. I think, I think No, he's Italian. Okay, so yeah, the Italians are doing well right now. And defense wins championships. That's what it comes down to. Offense wins games... But defense wins championships, and I think Conte being put back in Chelsea and a team who, whether they like it or not, their identity over the last 25 years has been be good defensively. So I think it's a great fit. I think this was one of the top two or three choices that they could have had. So good for Chelsea. Hopefully they get relegated and everything falls apart and Roman (laughs) gets deported. I'm all over that. But uh, not likely. I think this was... One of the best choices they could have made. Simeone would have been probably the top of my list, but ultimately right behind that, I think uh, Conte was not too far behind. Yep. Alrighty, Golden. Well, I think that's going to be our episode for the night. Um, we're all running, sh- not short on time, but Carl has to work a double tomorrow. Pelly's getting all ready to go to Ireland. No, he said he's drinking a double tomorrow. Oh, drinking a double tomorrow. <laughs> yes, oh, all right. Yes. Pelly's going to Ireland next week, so he's got to get caught up on work. I know. I'm going to go uh, tomorrow. Par three starts the Masters. I'm going to be sitting on my couch, circa nine thirty in the morning, getting hammered. Um, but yeah, no, that's off the pitch soccer talk show for the week. Uh, hit us up at OTP soccer talk for all your soccer ideas and everything. We've been doing a good job of live tweeting during any games that are on TV here in America. Sorry for anybody. in we got to set up a rabble TV, uh, account for you guys, yeah. for you when you want to hop in there and start announcing the games. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, we'll get into that soon. We'll, we've talked about doing that on off the wagon too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, live, like I said, soccer's. We had a little bit of a down time here in the past two, three, four weeks with the league, um, with the EPL and leagues in general, but now we're getting right back to the thick of it. We're just about a month, month and a half away from all the leagues wrapping up. FA Cup in England still going through, still going on. Like I said, next week the replay between West Ham, Man U on Wednesday. Two weeks after that, you got the semifinals. 
We haven't talked about CONCACAF Champions League. The second leg of the semifinals are tonight. The four Mexican Mexican teams kick off at 8 and 10 o'clock tomorrow night, which would be today if you are listening, which... Not if you're listening. Holy shit. That's the only way. The can of worms that you just opened with that that, that statement right there. I know. They are playing tomorrow on ESPN against some. Oh, against Columbia. Just felt the gray hair come out. (laughs) Um, We're only, what, six, seven weeks away from the next transfer window. Euro 2016 is coming up. Like I said, we. Whole lot of topics to talk about. Women's soccer. A lot of the t- a lot of the times we don't know necessarily what to talk about. There's too much going on. So not only now on Women's can so- you vote? Well, you I mean you can always vote for the kit number of the week. But we're gonna try in the next week or two to also throw up a topic of the week that the you little listeners want to listen to. That way, if you guys are Premier League guys, awesome. If anybody wants to hear Bundesliga, we get all the Bundesliga games here, right here in Del Boca Vista Studios. Um, we also get all. Of, La Liga, right down here in Del Boca Vista Studios. Not, no Serie no, no Serie A. We, we only get half the Serie A games, and they blow because Juventus and Napoli suck. It's like, watching, it's what, like watching an NFL football game where every single possession, both teams kneel. Yes. Kneel yes. The entire game. Yes, exactly. And, and then, then, and one then kick, a field, the yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> kick a 90-yard field goal and hope it goes in when, when time expires. Yeah, no, no Italian soccer around here. Um, but yeah, no, soccer goes on all around the world every single week. Um, we love talking about it. I hope you guys love hearing about it. This is Off the Pitch Soccer. Enjoy the next week of your football.